Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. If you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Um, we have notes on, the, on our app. Um, or you can follow along on the screen, and you can follow along in your Bibles. But um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're in a series, and the context of this series has to do with the potential that is inside of you, and also the potential that is inside of this church that is yet to be realized. And so how do we free that potential that's inside of every one of you that's inside of this church. Here's an illustration. I was on a church board one time, and we, they were, there was a discussion, and, and not here. It was in another town, and they were trying to, they were trying to pay off an, uh, an existing church building, an existing loan, and somebody spoke up and said, all the money's in the house. The problem is it's just in everybody's pockets. We have to get that out of their pockets. <laughs> and, and that's what I, that Ill, I say that to say that is like potential, the potential is here. We just have to get it outside. We have to get that potential that's inside of you. We have to get that outside. Would you agree with me? There, there, there is potential inside this room. For those of you that are watching online, there's potential in all inside of all of us that you haven't realized that's even there yet. And so I want to talk to you about that. Last week we talked about your thinking, how you think about things, uh, um, you know, if you ha- didn't see that, you can go back and watch it on YouTube. But we have to we have to get outside of our thinking and think about things differently. And, and you have to think a little bit bigger than what's happening in your life right now. And so today, I'm going to talk to you about your gifts and how to develop those gifts. In the next coming weeks, we will talk specifically about the gifts. But how do you get those gifts that's placed inside of you into action? How do you make those gifts become useful? And, and not only for you, but for the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul writes this letter, and he's writing it, and he makes this important statement to the church. He says this, he said, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So that's a picture of the church. Paul likens the church to a body. Um, we, all, we all have a body, and we all understand that our bodies are made up of parts, and, and they make up all this group or this team. And we know that uh, if, you, if you're like me, you know that if one part of your body's not working, the rest of the party don't, body don't work so well. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many get out of, I, get, I, I find this out every morning when I get out of bed. You know, if the knee's not working, you know, it goes up into the hip and goes into both hips and in the back, and I'm walking like this. And if one part of the body's not working, my ankles, you know, my ankles crack all the time. And just if they're not working, I'm not walking. It's not working right. And, and that's a picture of the church. That's a picture. That's what Paul's trying to say is, is if all the parts aren't working, then the body's not growing and it's not full of love. And we're all a body of believers. Every one of us are vital to each other. If you're watching online, you're vital to this church. Um, we need you. And the, the strength and the capacity of the body is determined by how, how well the body functions. 
And so how does the body work together? The scripture tells us that the, the, the way the body works is, it says every part of the body has its own special work. So every one of you have your own special work. So let me ask you a question. Ponder this question. What is your special work? What is your gift? That's, you know, what is the special work that's God's put inside of you and I believe every single one of you. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe God's brought you here for a reason. You're here in this church. You're here today. You're watching online for a reason. Because God has brought you there. He has a special work that he's put inside of you to perform that is useful to the body. And so the second question is, are you using it? What is your work? What is your gift? What is your special work? And are you using it? Are you exercising it? Everybody say exercise. We're gonna do. We're gonna exercise today, right? Not really physically, but we're gonna. Yeah, we have to exercise those gifts. Are you doing what God has called you to do? The majority of people in the church are not aware of this. That they're not aware that there is a special work inside of them. A lot of people just think they're here to, you know, to make a living and pay taxes and, and die and that's it and take up oxygen and have some kids and have a little fun once in a while and that's it. But God has put you on this earth for a, such a time as this for a special work. Um, there's something that God has gifted you with to do for the kingdom of God that's bigger than you. But most people use their gifts only to benefit themselves or their family. And that's where it ends. Most people don't realize that those gifts are not only given to you and for you and for your family, but they're also given for you to benefit the whole body, to benefit the church, to benefit the kingdom of God. Paul says, if everybody works together doing their own special work, it causes growth and it causes health in the body. The second question is, what why do you think that God came to save you? Why do you what do you what do you think why do you think it is that God came to this earth to save you? Because see a lot of people just think that salvation is the end of itself that God just saved me from something and that's it. God saved me from myself, God saved me from my past, God saved me from my failures, God saved me from sin, God saved me from hell, and all that's true. Um, God came to, or God came to save me from the price that I would pay if I didn't accept him, you know, <laughs> and that, all that's true. Uh, I'm saved from something, but there's a new dimension to salvation, and that's, you're not just saved from something, you are saved for something, God saved you. God brought salvation into your life. He's trying to bring you to a place because he has a special work inside of you. He wants to do something in and through you. And that's where we have to give. That's what we're trying to explore today. When you discover what you're saved for, you'll stop living in the past because you'll be focused on your gift. You'll be focused on the future. Um, you, we're not thinking about the past or past failures anymore. Paul said, I got to forget those things which are behind me. How many of you know, sometimes it's hard to forget the past. If you wallow on the past and you, if you focus on the past and you dwell on the past, um, sometimes it's hard to forget and, and you'll live in the past. You'll never really, and if you live in the past, you'll never really be successful in the future with your gifts. You'll never really flourish in your gifts. You have to learn to let go of the past. Paul says, I, I forget those things that are behind me and I've got to press forward to the upward call of Jesus Christ on my life. 
Think about the body of the church. Think about this body of a church right now, all bodies of church. Think about it as how, if it functioned like an army, uh, um, like armed forces in war. Think about that. Picture this with me. Um, we have to recognize um, the, the church is at war. There is a spiritual war going on. So think of a natural war uh, on earth, you know, uh, you know, a military in war. Um, in, in, in a normal physical army, you have two different factions of army. You have the front lines, and then you have behind the lines. And, and so... Um, the front lines are the ones who are in the battle. They're in the battle. They got their sleeves rolled up. They're doing the work. They're engaged in the fighting. They're engaged in the battle. And the front lines, see, they don't really have a lot of time to worry about what the food tastes like or whether they really like their officers or not or whether they really like their comrades or not. In the front lines, you're not even really worried about the color of a man's skin or the nationality of another man. You're just worried because you're engaged in battle. You're focused. You've got a plan. Uh, You are in the battle. And when you're in the battle, see, you're not arguing with people. You're not getting offended because you're fighting the fight. And and so you don't have time to be critical. Come on, somebody. You don't have time to be critical of everything that's going on. But, But people in the rear, sometimes they have a little more time on their hands, a little more free time. They have a little bit too much time on their hands. They're, they're not engaged in the urgency of the war. Sometimes in their job, they begin to look at all the faults and all the failures of what's going on and how the, how the systems function and, you know, the food doesn't taste good and I don't like this food and I don't really like my officer and, you know, I really don't like the people I'm stationed with and I don't like the job that I'm doing and, and I, why do I have to get up so early? Man, this is too early, you know. Why do I have to do all these things? And before you know it, you start criticizing. And what ends up happening is there's, a, there's now dissension in the body. And this is, this is a picture of the church. There's a front lines in the church and there's a rear lines in the church. And if you come to church and you engage your gifts, if you're using your gifts, if you're exercising your gifts, if you're serving God, if you're engaged in the warfare, you're not thinking about what the music sounds like. You're not thinking about whether it's too hot or too cold or it's too loud or too not loud enough. You're not thinking about the children's ministry. You're not thinking about whether I'm getting fed or not here, or if I like the food or I don't like the food. You're not thinking about the student youth ministries. You're you're not thinking about whether or not you got your favorite parking food, your parking place or not, whether you got your favorite chair or not. You're not thinking about those things. You don't have those thoughts because you're engaged in the fighting, in the warfare of God. You're using your gifts. But if you're on the rear line and you're not engaging your gifts and you're not exercising your gifts, unfortunately, sometimes that brings the critic out in us, the gift of criticism. Amen. It's not really a gift, but uh, a lot of people have it. <laughs> and, and when you're not engaged in the fight, it makes us see things through critical eyes. So God wants the church, everyone, to be on the front lines. So what would it look like if everyone just decided in the church, you know what? I'm going to get out of the rear lines. I'm going to get on the front lines. I'm going to engage. I'm going to engage in the battle. And in order to do that, you have to learn to use your gifts. The proper way. And that's, I'm going to teach you that today. Uh, Paul writes the letter. He writes to the Romans. Uh, um, Romans chapter 12 verse 3. And this is what he said. He said, because of the privilege and the authority that God has given me, 
I give each one of you this warning. Here's a warning to the church. Paul's trying to tell us there's a warning about the gifts. Number one, don't think you're better than you really are. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> don't think you're better. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as your bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts. Now, please understand when it says gifts there, there's a lot of gifts. So he's going to outline some gifts, but that's not all the gifts. There's a lot of gifts. It's not just limited to this scripture right here. Everybody say different gifts. They're plural. Different gifts for doing certain things well, the Bible says. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy... Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you the gift of the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Paul just listed out several gifts, but there's a whole lot of more gifts. So don't limit yourself. Don't sit here and think, well, I didn't see my gift listed, so I'm out. Okay, don't do that because I, I can show you other gifts. There's a lot of different gifts. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So how do you develop that gift? How do you begin to discover your gifts? Let me give you some principles, and then we'll talk about gifts at a later date. But first principle is this. When it comes to your gift in the church, whatever God has, that special work in you, you have to approach your gifts with humility. Everybody say humility. Paul says, don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. I know this doesn't apply to any of you, but how many of you know somebody that kind of thinks a little more highly of themselves than they really are? Anybody like that? You know somebody like that? Don't be poking anybody next to you. They, they, they want to do certain things. They want to be famous. They want to be good. They want to be successful. But they really, they're really not gifted in that area. They keep failing. They keep failing. They keep failing. And, and you just want to tell them, like, hey, man, maybe this isn't your gift. How many of you ever watched American Idol? You ever watched American Idol? I mean, they, hundreds, thousands of people all over communities, all over communities, all across America. They're famous shower singers and backport singers and karaoke bar singers, you know, and they just think they're America's idol. They think they're it, man. They think they're the next one. And they put all this time and effort and money into traveling to fulfill their dream. They're going to be on American Idol and they'll stand in long lines and they'll be judged and, and, and maybe they'll pass through one judge, maybe two judges, but how how many of you know that if they, it, before you know it, they're, they're finally on this panelist of three judges, whoever those judges may be, and, and it's always comical because what American Idol does is they let some of those people slip through the cracks for entertainment. Y'all ever notice that? I mean, it's like, how did these people get through the judges? You're, and, and so they, they're, they're, they get up there, and they're, they're not just not good, they're terrible. They're like, it's like, Dear Lord, it's embarrassing. And, and because they slipped through, though, in their mind, they're thinking, this is good. I'm good. 
They must think I'm good. In the back of their minds, they're saying, I'm standing up for these three judges. I must be a great singer. And so they start to sing, and it's bad. Everybody's laughing and cutting it. You can hear them in the audience. Even some of the judges, sometimes they got to cut them off and say, like, you're done. You know, get them out. And, and then all of a sudden, the cameras go to them, and they're walking off stage, and you just see the disbelief on their face. They're like, I can't believe it. I, I, I'm here. I can't believe they don't like me. I'm one of the greatest singers. I made it to American Idol. And, and you know, a lot of times, you know, you, you think you're gifted in an area, but you're not gifted. And so approach your gift with humility. It's so frustrating to watch people thinking they're gifted in a certain area, but they just keep failing. They keep failing. They keep failing. And, and they just they don't realize that it's not necessarily what God's called you to do. Amen? Be sober. Everybody say, be sober. I've seen this happen a lot of times. I've seen people that will get up on a stage and they'll sing. And, and, you know, man, it's just like, even in churches, I've seen it. And, 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 and I, matter of fact, I watched a pastor one time tell a guy, said, man, that, that is not, just keep your day job, buddy. <laughs> keep your day job. And, and they're just not gifted. I've seen people uh, with my own eyes, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get a word of prophecy and they prophesy over somebody. They speak a word over somebody. And the next thing you know, they announce to everybody that they've got this spiritual gift of prophecy and they start functioning and they start prophesying over everybody. And, and, and next thing you know, they're leaving the church because they need to go to a church that practices prophesying all the time. And so they spend their whole lives prophesying over people when nobody really gets saved. You know what I mean? And that, that's kind of important. That's kind of vital. Never getting anybody into the kingdom, but yet they're exercising their gift. And it's because that gift, they'll think more highly of the gift that's in them, and it becomes spiritual pride. It happens in businesses. People think they're business-minded. They think they're to call people are working for a company, and they don't like working for the company. They don't even have like the fact that they're having to work for the company. They don't like the fact that they have to work for somebody. They don't like their boss. And, and so they, they just like, uh, I don't like somebody telling me to do, so I'm out of here. I'm going to go start my own company because they think too highly of themselves. I'm going to go start my own business. I haven't been faithful at my job. I haven't been faithful with my company and my boss. Therefore, but I'm going to go start my own job. I'm going to start my own business. I can do this as good as he can. So they go start their own business and it fails. They struggle. They go bankrupt. And so they're not realizing that maybe their gift is not to be a business owner. There's a lot of responsibility and a lot of things that come with that. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Now, I want you to think about what you're doing right now in the church. Think about your gift. Think about your life. Think about your gift. Think about how you're exercising your gift. Are you thinking soberly about your gifts? I have a person in my life that keeps me sober. When it comes to my gift, not sober when it's alcohol. I'm not talking about that. It keeps me focused. It's called my wife. She's called my wife. When I preach, when I'm getting ready to preach, when I'm getting ready to bring some questions, if, if something's in question, if there's scripture or how I'm applying scripture, a thought, whatever, if it's in question and I, I really don't know if I should, how, you know, the, the rawness of it, I will take Amy to the side and I'll say, hey, this, what is this? And I, I, I bring this thought out into the open and I tell her and, you know, and, and I bring this, all this revelation out and I'm expecting her to say, man, that's good. Wow. And I'm expecting her to get saved, you know, and just like right there on the spot and just, but sometimes she'll go, 
that you need to say that a little differently. That's kind of harsh, or that's kind of, you know what I mean? And she'll, she'll kind of bring me down a notch. And whether I like her advice or not, it makes me think about what I'm saying. And I have to realize that I can't think more highly of myself than I ought to. So I make adjustments. And we all need somebody for accountability when it comes to our gifts. Not somebody that just tells us what do we want to hear. Uh, um, but somebody who will lovingly be honest and tell us the truth. You know, like, hey, man, maybe that's not your gift. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't be doing that, you know. Uh, maybe you should be doing this. And, and we all need that. Um, think soberly. Approach your gifts with humility. The second thing is ask God to speak to you about your gift. Ask God to speak to you. If you don't know what your gift is, just ask God. He'll begin to show you. What, say, just, it's a simple prayer. God, what gift have you placed inside of me? What is the gift that you played inside of me? I remember when I first got saved, um, you know, I began to go through this. And people begin to talk to me about gifts and stuff. And so I began to ask God, you know, God, what is it you put inside of me? What's the gifts you put inside of me? And, and um, I, you know, I thought, I thought I had the gift of hunting. I thought I was going to be a hunter for the rest of my life. I was just going to hunt wild animals and go all over the country and hunt. I loved hunting. I was an avid hunter. But you can't make no money at that. How many of y'all know that? Any hunters out there? Can't make no money. You spend more money than what it's... <laughs> God had a different ideal for me. And as I started to learn more about the gifts and how they operate and how God operates, I began to ask, you know, God, what is it that you put inside of me? I just got saved, man. I'm new to this. And, and I remember God started speaking to me about my gifts. And he said, there's two gifts in you that I want to develop in you before you get started in this journey. And I said, all right, what it is in what, what, what it is. What, what is it? <laughs> and God said, it's the gift of serving and giving. Now, this is, this is not Bible, B-I-B-L-E. This is Robert. In my opinion, I believe that everybody has those two gifts to start off with. When you get saved, you have the gift of serving and giving. Giving and serving are the two gifts that God gives people to prove out faithfulness. He's going he to test you in those areas to see if you're faithful. Giving and serving. I spent a lot of years in ministry just serving. Just doing whatever I could find to do. I don't know how many times I told him this morning, I'm, there was a, I had a youth center. when I, There was a 15,000 square foot. Y'all know how big that is? That's really big. 15,000 square foot, and they have square foot tiles, and I used to sweep and mop every inch of that, because would, we would, every Friday and Saturday night, kids would come in to skateboard, and the, and the floor would get dirty, and if it was dirty, they couldn't skateboard in, but then they would come in, and they would slide, and they'd put all the black marks on everything, and I'd sweep and mop that thing. I would mop, and it was a thankless job to say the least, but I did it. I swept and mopped, and I just served, and, and, and that's why I love doing outreaches. I love to go to mission trips. You know, you go to New York. You go to different places, and you, listen, they don't care about your titles. They don't care about how much money you make. You just serve. They just say, get over here and get to work. Serve, and, and it teaches you to serve, and, and, and it, listen, if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. Let me just help you with that, okay? That in the business world or anything. If you want to be a boss, if you want to be a manager, if you want to climb the corporate ladder, if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. And, and that's just a business principle. And the gift of giving, listen, I'll just tell you, God had to work in my heart on that deal. 
That's my money. I worked hard for that. I don't want to do that. God really had to do a work in me, and I, I wasn't a giver. And it took some time before I would really start giving and tithing and being obedient to the tithe and giving. And, and I don't believe for one minute, folks, that God would ever open the door to me to be a pastor, even here, right here in this church, had I not learned to serve and give. And that took 10 years. 10 years. Serving and giving are the two gifts that God will give people to prove their faithfulness. If you're going to be faithfulness and faithful in the little things before I give you a lot of things, most of the time, God, there's more gifts that'll come. I believe you're gifted in a lot of areas, but God won't. A lot of times, I don't believe God releases those gifts until you can learn to serve and give. And that's where people get stuck. It starts with serving and giving. And if you can't have a servant's heart and a giving heart, then when God blesses you in certain areas, you won't be able to handle those blessings very well. Does that make sense? In other words, if I'm really good at making money, let's talk about the business world. If I'm really good at making money, but I'm not a serving person and I'm not a giving person, what, what's going to happen is that money will take over that gift and I'll start, becoming, I'll, I'll start be, being driven by money instead of being driven by God. Money will take over my heart. Greed will take over my heart. I got to have more. I got to have more. And as I start serving and giving... I started discovering, hey, you know what? I like to serve. Serving's not too bad. And, and I, so I started serving. I just enjoyed serving. And I, I, I was serving. I, I served in children's ministry. I served as an usher. I, I've served as a greeter. I've served on evangelism teams. I've served on boards. I've served on small group leaders. I've, been, I, I've done so much serving. I've even, there's been seasons where I was burned out on serving. I don't want to serve anymore. I'm done. I, I, don't, I want out. And if you, know, if you just ever served like that, you know what I'm talking about. And then I started giving after some time, you know, God started working on me and he started convicting me and started working out that giving aspect in me. And, and then I started tithing. I started believing. I started taking that step of faith and tithing. And then I started giving over and above the tithe. And I started doing those things. Listen to me. It took some time, but I started giving and serving cheerfully. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I started giving and serving. I enjoyed serving, and all of a sudden there come a time when I enjoyed giving. I enjoyed giving. I enjoyed blessing. I started operating those gifts, and then God started showing me more gifts. Very seldom do I see people in the ministry flourish in their gifts without first being faithful when it comes to giving and serving. Two simple things. Giving and serving is where God proves faithfulness. The Bible said God has given us different gifts for to do certain things well. What, let me ask you, what do you do well? And then are you using that? Are you using that? And, and so the third thing is, is you've got to learn to navigate the obstacles of your gifts. There's obstacles to your gifts. And the first one is selfishness. We all have a little bit of selfishness in us. We're concerned, you know, with ourselves and we just disregard others. We're more caught up in ourselves and then it more, you know, more than ourselves than we are helping others. Selfishness is a big obstacle to a gift. Especially when it comes to giving. We're, it's selfish. We, we don't want to think about others. The second one is neglect. 
It's just where we neglect our gift. So many people are here. You know, we, we, we have a gift, but we don't use it. Maybe you can sing, but you don't use it. Maybe you can play an instrument, but you don't use it. Maybe you can teach, but you don't use it. We have the, we have the means to give, but we don't give. We have the gift of business, the business mind, but we don't use it. Paul says to Timothy, he said, hey, Timothy, don't neglect that gift that's in you. Don't do it. And then the third one is unworthiness. A lot of people just sit in the church and they just think they're unworthy. We just think we're unworthy. We just think we don't have a purpose. I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough Bible knowledge. We don't feel like we can do anything significant. And so we, we just see ourselves, we see others doing significant things, but we just don't feel like we can. I'm just not capable. I just don't have the ability. And so it's like when you're watching a football game. How many of you like football out there? You like football? We're watching a football game and we think, we, we, we say, hey, look at all those gifted players. Wow, they're good. And, 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 and so I'm not gifted in that way, but I'm just going to watch them play the game. I enjoy football. So we just watch them play the game. And that's what happens in the church. We, we say, hey, look at all the people on the stage. Look at all those gifts. Look at all those people. It's like the NFL football players. They're, they're good at what they do. They're gifted. But, but I'm not that way. So I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to watch. I'm going to let everybody else do it. I'm just going to watch. And what happens when you start to do this is you begin to think of yourself in a lower manner. You begin to think about what you could do in a lower manner. In other words, you you begin to your gifts you begin to set the bar real low, and so our goals they become lower. First Corinthians chapter one verse twenty six it says this. I love this. It, Paul says, "Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called." In other words, think of yourself when you were saved, when you were, first came to know the Lord. Uh, not many of us, the Bible says, not many of us were wise by human standards. Not many of us were influential. Not many of us were noble birth. In other words, you weren't born of, of hierarchy of king or, or anything like that. But God chose the foolish things of the world. How many of you, does that make you feel better? That makes me feel better. God chose the foolish things. Y'all don't, y'all catch up soon. God chose the foolish things of the world. How I many you know to shame the wise? God chose the weak things to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. Think about this with me. Think about the men and the women in the Bible that God chose to use. First of all, think about the disciples, those 12 misfit guys. I mean, you know, they were a piece of work. They were a couple of tax collectors, and the rest of them were fishermen. And the Bible says, the Bible describes those guys as unlearned and ignorant men. How many of y'all fit in? I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm right there. Why would God use unlearned and ignorant men to change the world? Why? So think about this. The writers of most of the New Testament other than Paul, they were uneducated. They didn't have degrees. They didn't go to college. Paul was the only one. He was an educated Jew. And, and, but all these guys were blue-class workers, man. They were the middle of the class or lower class. They, they had no special education. They had nothing to offer. And, and what shows me, listen to me, that shows me and proves to me that the less God has to work with, the more he can do. 
Ooh, that's exciting to me. I don't know about y'all. I mean, the less God has to work with, the more he can do through you. That should be encouraging to you. Uh, that should give us a lot of hope. They, uh, let me tell you about this study they did on the 10 megachurches, the 10 biggest megachurches in America. This will blow you away. It blew me away. The 10 biggest megachurches in America. They wanted to know what made them successful, what made them megachurches. And they discovered an interesting thing about the pastors and leaders of those 10 churches. They found that of those top 10 churches, only two of those pastors' leaders had bachelor's degrees. That's it. The rest of the eight had never even gone to college, and if they did, they didn't finish college. That's a fact. They did a study. And it made a lot of educated seminarians very upset because they began to criticize how little these eight guys these ten, of these ten big churches, how little they understood about the Word of God because they haven't studied the Word of God. Not making this up. They, they did this. But what these eight guys did, there was ten churches, but eight of the ten, what they did was they studied the life of Jesus. That's all they did. They studied the life of Jesus. And if you go back and look at the life of Jesus, you're going to find out that Jesus wasn't into deep theology. He didn't talk a lot of deep theology. Jesus just told a lot of stories, a lot of life application stories. Jesus told stories about everyday life. And then he mixed in a little wisdom and a little scriptures and, and of the stories, and that drew people's attention. Y'all understand the difference? Now, I'm not discounting education. I like education. I like study, and I, I, I educate myself on a regular I get educated on a regular basis, on a daily. I get educated, but I went to college. I went to Bible college. Uh, you know, I did all those things, but that's not made me who I am because if you asked me what I studied in Bible college, I couldn't tell you. I can't remember. If you asked me what I studied in college, I don't remember some of that stuff. I went through it, and I would got the grade just like a lot of you. I mean, we just get the grade. It just goes one ear and out the other. But I got a degree. <laughs> I got a piece of paper. But what made me, what, what, what did a work in me was, was not my education. It's just Jesus Christ. It's just getting into his presence and reading his word and letting that take root in your life and studying the works of Jesus and how he walked on this earth. Uh, I had a pastor tell me four or five years ago, he looked me in the face and told me I wasn't educated enough to be a pastor which determined me even more. <laughs> By God, I'm going to show you. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, listen, I was least likely to succeed in high school. I mean, I, I, you know what I mean? I just like to party, okay? I'm just be real with you. I like to have a good time. And it's not that I couldn't succeed. I was just least likely to succeed. And I was certainly least likely to be a pastor in my class. I, that wasn't me. That was, I didn't want to pastor a church. I saw what pastors went through. I saw pastors falling out. I, I saw how a lot of pastors were miserable, and I was on the outside looking in, and I said, I don't want any part of that. And then God showed me this, which is the fourth principle. You have to understand the law of use. The law of use. When you start to understand the law of use, and this applies to everything in life, Everything shifts to how you approach your life. Let me give you an example. If we talk about the potential that's inside of you, we're talking about the potential that's inside of you. Let's call it a seed. Everybody say it's a seed. Okay? It's the gift of God that's inside of you. 
That is the potential. God has given you a seed of potential. The seed is not germinated. It's not planted. It has no fruit. It is, excuse me, it's not even bearing fruit. So if, you, if, I, if, I, if I had an apple, if I held up an apple right here, visualize an apple with me, um, you would, it's a piece of fruit, right? It's an apple. It's fruit. We like apples. We eat apples. It's just an apple. This is not deep theology here. It's an apple. But, but inside the apple is potential that people never see. Because we eat the apple and disregard the potential. We eat the apple and disregard the potential that's in the apple. The potential of the apple is not the fruit of the apple. The potential of the apple is the seed. The smallest part of the apple. But if you were to take one of the apples, this is just a projection, just for an illustration purpose. If you were to take an apple and cut up the apple, instead of eating it and disregarding it, if you take up, cut up that apple and you take the seeds out, and then you plant those seeds into the ground, and you fertilize them, and you water them, ultimately what would come out of this apple is apple trees. And when those apples grow up, and listen to me, it takes time. It could take 10 years. <laughs> but when those seeds, when they grow up, once those trees grow up, there will, it will produce more apples. And those apples will be picked or they'll be, you know, and they'll be uh, whatever, fall to the ground, whatever they do, whatever. But, but somebody somewhere along the way got this broad idea, this brilliant idea. Hey, let's don't eat all the apples. Let's not disregard all the apples. Let's take some of the apples and let's take the seeds and let's re-sow them into the ground and create more trees until we have an orchard. Now we have an apple orchard full of apple trees. What's inside of the apple? What is inside of the apple? What's inside of the apple? What, we all, I just said, what's inside of the apple? Nah, an apple orchard. There's an apple orchard inside of the apple, not just a seed. The potential is there. The only reason the potential doesn't get realized is because most people don't see the potential. They eat the potential. They waste the potential. They disregard the potential. They throw it into the ground. They don't do nothing with it. Most people don't see the potential in their own life. They spend their whole life eating their potential and wasting it by the way they live. By the, they don't live for the future. They live for the here and now. They live for me right now. What, what's going to make me feel good right now? What's going to help me right now? Most people don't understand that if they operate in the seed of potential, this comes to finances, this comes to your retirement, this comes to your, that everything is all about the seeds of potential. You plant seeds right now. And, and they make, you can make great things happen in your life that are far greater than you could have ever done by loan by yourself, just, just, just blowing, throwing away your potential. So how does that work in my life personally? Go with me to Mark chapter 4 so I can wrap this up. Here's what Mark says. Mark says this in chapter 4, verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more. Period. 
Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, watch this, even what he has will be taken away. Now this is talking about potential. It's not talking about the money you got in your pocket. This is talking about your potential. In this scripture, I believe God's talking about potential. You have a seed of potential in you. If you have a seed of potential in you, with the measure that you use it, it will be measured to you and even more. But with the measure, if, you've, if he's given you a seed of potential and you're not using it, even that seed's going to be taken away. And so the seed of potential needs to go back into the ground so that God can grow it into what you've been called to do. And that takes time. But the seed of potential has to die. It, you have to walk in humility. Paul said, it is no longer that I live, but it is Christ that lives inside of you. Paul also said this, I die daily to my desires, to right now, to what makes me feel good right now, to my wants. I die to my wants so that I can fulfill Christ, God's calling on my life. The challenge is, is most of us, we try to live our lives the way we want to live right now. What makes me feel good right now? What makes me happy right now? What, what, and then we want God, see, we want, then we want God to bless our choices. And just stay, instead of just saying, God, what do you want for my life? Think about the people that have music gifts. Think about the musical gifts that are all over this world that were birthed and born in the body of Christ, but people are using that gift in the world to sing songs that entice people into sex and living immoral lives. Many gifted people, and many of those people started in the church when they were young, but they polluted their gift because people are wanting to, people want to be famous and they want to be successful. And so they cave into the world's demands and they buy in and they get the records and the labels and they entice and, and their gift is polluted. Think about people that have the gift of business, the business world, the business minds. Uh, they don't use their gifts for the kingdom. It, that gift was birthed in the kingdom. It was birthed through God. But they take that gift and they just go into the world and they just make money, make money, make money. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but when money starts to pour in because they don't know how to serve, they don't know how to give, they don't know kingdom principles, that the money starts to pour in, they start forgetting all about God. God's nowhere in the picture. And so the lust of things, the lust of more, the lust and greed, the deceitfulness and the richness, it, it, it enters into your life and it chokes out the word of God. It chokes out the truth of God and it made them unfruitful in their life. Think about all the potential that's out there. So many gifted people watching online. So many gifted people right here in this building that are called in the church. You have gifts but a lot of people walk out of the church and they use their gifts for the wrong purposes. Are y'all following me? I, Ten years, I learned to give. I learned to serve. I learned to give. I learned to serve. I learned to give. I learned to serve. I worked a 50-hour week like a lot of many of you guys. job 50 hours, 60 hours, 70 hours. I worked a lot. Of, I'd get off at night. I'd go serve. I'd go clean. I'd do whatever I did. I'd go on Sundays. I'd clean. I'd go on Saturdays. Serve, give, serve, give to the point I was miserable with everything. Burnout, tired. There was a time or two when I told God, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with this. I don't want to do this. I want to go back to what I do in best. That's what the same thing. The di disciples did the same thing. 
When Jesus, when he died and, 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 and he died and he, went, he ascended and all that, they were just miserable. And they, they went, what did they do? They went back to fishing on the boats. They went back to what was familiar. And I was the same way. And I was asking God, uh, you know, what is up with this, God? I'm done. But as I was faithful with those things, serving and giving, serving and giving, inside of my misery one day, God said, you know what? Here's your gift. The first gift I'm giving you outside of serving and giving, the first gift I'm giving you, I'm going to give you the teaching gift. And I'm like, God, you, you got the wrong person here. You're wrong guy, man. I don't, you missed this one, God. I have no desire to do this. I don't have any. I failed speech class not once but twice in college. Fact. I don't like to stand up in front of people and talk. That's a fact. And, and, and I'm telling the truth. I'm intimidated by that, and, and I don't want to do that. And, and I said, God, I don't want to do that. I, I don't, I don't. And God said, I know you don't want to do that, and I know you can't, don't feel like you can do that. But we're going to develop this in you. Let that seed die. Let it put it in the ground. Let it germinate. Let it, let it bring forth fruit. And I asked God, well, how in the world did I develop this teaching gift? And basically, a wise man told me one time, he said, find a place where no one wants to teach and teach. Find a place no one wants to teach and teach. So I started in the children's ministry. That's supposed to be funny. I'm trying to make a point. See, nobody wants to work in there. Nobody wants to teach in there. But those are, the, those are precious children. They need, we need volunteers. Trina needs help. Sign up, volunteer once a month. Once every six weeks, help him. He's doing everything he can to bring this thing back together and minister to your kids. And so I started teaching with the children. Then I, then I moved up to junior high kids. Dear Lord, junior high kid, I feel for junior high teachers. And then I moved to students, teenagers. And then I went to adults. And then I, listen, in this process, I went to every conference under the God's green, under his son. I went to every conference. I went to everything. I went to every camp meeting that I could go to. I went to, man, I, I listened to preachers until I was sick, just trying to mentor, get mentor, get, get styles, listen to people. I, I listen, I've got cassette tapes, even still they cassette tapes of preachers speaking that you're listening to on social media today. I've got their cassette tapes. I've learned, I've listened to preachers that some of you don't even know exist. I promise you. I've listened to things. I've heard people talk and and just, just trying to, just trying to be a sponge. And then I led some people to the Lord. That was a new experience. I started working in rehab, six 12-step programs, uh, helping alcoholics, rehab and stuff, and started teaching them the Bible because that's what God brought me out of, alcohol and drugs and stuff. And I remember the first time I, listen, this, this is funny, I remember the first time I preached in a church and I saw someone asleep. And it just like distracted me and I couldn't even talk and I lost all my train of thoughts. And I'm like, dear Lord, the, the full gift of teaching manifestation is manifesting here today. God, what's up with this? They're all asleep. I've bored them to tears. But the point is, is I was using the gift. I was exercising it. I may have been terrible. I may have put everybody to sleep, but I was using it. I was exercising it. I was practicing it. And I was willing to go places and teach in places that nobody wanted to do at the, at the time. Most people want to teach. Listen, most people, they just want to jump up on the platform in front of hundreds of people and, 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 and say, let's go. But listen, you got to be willing to go places that nobody else wants to go first. You got to be prove your faithfulness. That's the way God works. They're kingdom principles. 
And I found that as I used those gifts, God started taking shape and he started to develop and he started to do things. And I, 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 you know, I was using it in youth and in youth church, youth ministry. I went to adults and started using it there. And if you don't use your gift, you'll lose it. You've got to exercise it. I don't care how bad you think you are at it. You've got to use it. You've got to try. After some time, if it just doesn't seem a fit, be humble about it. Let God work that out in you. That may not be your gifting, but that's how you discover what your giftings are. The gift took me, took years to grow. We're talking 10 or more years. This is, I'm giving it to you in 20 minutes, but it took years. Uh, and it's still developing. Like me, listen, I, I, I still don't think I'm any good. I still, uh, it's still developing. And, uh, but listen, your success is not determined by what you have. It's this, your, your success is determined what you, by what you do with what you have. And that's important. The Bible says, um, if you look at the Bible, you look at all the great characters of the Bible, um, every one of them, and I can just think of a couple right now, they had very little to offer. They had very little to offer God. Think about Moses. He didn't have much to offer. All Moses had was a stick. You know, kind of annoying. Why is he, it's like a blankie, you know, like, like a teenager carrying around a blankie still sucking on a pacifier. Why has he got a stick? Why there's Moses and his stick? You know, what's he doing with that stick? Why does he got to have that stick? Until one day he stood on the edges of the Red Sea and he held up his stick and the Red Sea parted and people walked across on land. And now they look at that stick and they go, wow, there's Moses and the stick. Look, there's the stick. It's right there. They looked at the stick differently. Think about David. David didn't have nothing to offer. He didn't have nothing to offer. He's standing before a giant, a giant army and a giant this giant warrior that's wanted to crush him like a little bug and just step on him. And, and there's no way David has the physical capabilities or the capacity to defeat this giant. All David had was a little stone and a slingshot. That's all he had. And, and you can imagine all his brothers and all of his army of the Israelites sitting behind him going, oh, dear Lord, we, that's all we got is David. You know, what's he going to do? He can't do nothing. He's, he, man, all he's got is that little sl stone and that slingshot. So, but David goes out and he uses that gift that he's got. He practices. He takes that stone. He takes that slingshot and he actually uses it and he kills the giant with what he had. All God is asking you to do is use what you have. Not what you don't have. Use what you have for the glory of God. There is a stick and a stone inside of every one of you. Inside of every one of you. If you will start to use your potential, God will multiply the potential. I showed you that in scriptures. God will create things in your life that you never saw yourself doing, but you're going to have to use, you're going to have to step out, you're going to start exercising your gift. God wants to do that for the whole body. If you're watching today, God wants to do that for everybody. But you've got to use your gift. And then the last principle is this, and I'm done. You've got to start thinking outside of the box. We've got to get our thinking outside of the box. When I first started going to church, when I first got saved years ago, one of my biggest complaints with the church, I noticed this real quick, and people pick up on this real quick. One of the things I noticed, because, because I was in the rear lines of the church, understand that. I'm seeing everything through the critical lenses. 
and, and, and I wasn't on the front lines engaged. And so I'm in the back, and one of my biggest complaints in the church was there's way too many people just sitting around in a box. They're just sitting around in a box. They just sit in church box. They just, we, we, this is a box. You know, we just sit in this box, and many people are cornered into this church life. I mean, we just go to church on the weekends, we sit in the chair, and we just listen, and, and, but we never take our gifts that God has placed inside of them, we never take those gifts outside of the box. It's like having a gift sitting there all, Christmas gifts. Somebody gives you a Christmas gift and it's sitting there all year long, we never open it. And if we do open it, we don't take what's inside of it out to use it. I mean, how dumb would that be? We got to use, we got to take it out, we got to use what's inside the box. You got to use that potential that's inside of you. People don't use their, some people, there's business minds in here. You're business minded. There's people that are, that, 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 you know, you're not using them in the communities. You could, you know, God's, you know, God needs you. The, the kingdom needs you. And it's the beginning, this, this season right now, right now, God is showing me and we've been having a lot of conversations in the office that there's, there's so much outside of the box. There's so much outside of these walls that's waiting for the church to be the church. There's so many people outside of these boxes, outside of this box right here, on the corners and in the marketplaces and in the business people, they're waiting on the church to be the church. Well, pastor, how do we help people? How do we do this? How do we change our city? How do we invite people? How do we bridge the gaps? How do we go out into our community? First of all, you have to start thinking outside of the box. What's worked in the past is not working. We've got to think outside the box. We've got to do things differently. You've got to th- we've got to change the way we think. What would happen if the church just came outside of the box? We started doing things that are unorthodox, started doing things that just doesn't line up with our past thinking. We forget about the way we've done church in the past. We forget about how we've done outreaches. We forget about how we've done ministry in the past. What about if we forget about all those things we've done in the past and we move forward, like Paul says, into what God's called us to do? We've got to think outside the box. Do things differently. Churches all over America are, I mean, listen to me, churches everywhere, even right here in our area, in our region, 100 mile region, they're doing things differently. They're going to start doing things differently. You're going to see the church begin to evolve into something that you've never seen before because churches are thinking outside of the box. They, instead of, I mean, people are scared to death to come and gather in groups and they're scared to death to come back. Look around. You can look at the attend. People are scared to death. And with all due respect, I'm not knocking that, but we got to get outside of the box and we got to go take the church to the people. Come on, somebody get excited. Amen. That's a good place for y'all. Thank y'all for that enthusiasm. Let me say something to this, and this will blow you away. Let me just say this, and then I'll be done. This will surprise you. The power of the church cannot be measured by how many people go to the church. I'm a numbers guy more than anybody else, and I watch the numbers. I look at every number. I know every person that comes to this service, whether you think I do or not. I know whether you are here or not, and I don't do that to judge you. I do that to care because if you're not here, you're missing in action. Something could be wrong. I I wake up at night in the middle of the night wondering where people are, wondering why they haven't been here one and two and three weeks. You ask my wife. I toss and turn all night because numbers matter to me. I am a numbers guy. I believe every single person counts. But if this were about numbers, I would have been gone a long time ago. You understand that? The, 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 the power of the church is not measured by how many people are sitting in the building. 
The power of the church is measured by how many people are using their gifts and what's going on inside of the church. And there's some great things going on inside of this church. There are some great things going on inside of the church. There are some great things going on through you people. You guys give. You guys do things. I mean, we've done some tremendous outreaches. I mean, we fed two or 300 families. You know what? We're still feeding families. All that food that we got a couple of a month ago or so, we're still feeding. We get calls every week. We're still feeding families out of that. We're, we've, we're probably up to 300 families now. We've passed out those food. They're calling. We've gave shoes. We're, give, we're getting ready to do coats again. We, we do all these things. There's some tremendous things happening how many people are using their gifts so you could literally have a church listen to me you could have a church of a hundred people that are all using their gifts and that would be more powerful than a church of 10,000 that are just sitting in a box are y'all following me that's how I measure things. That's how I look at things. It's, so in order for the church to become powerful, in order for the church to be expressing the fullness of its potential, the whole body, everybody say the whole body. The whole body. That's me, that's you, everybody sitting here today, everybody in the sound booth, everybody watching online. The whole body has to use their gift in harmony with the rest of the body. Otherwise, the church goes to waste. And the church becomes to become nothing more than a place that we go on Sunday morning and we hear a word and we go get in our box and we hear a word for a little while and then we go outside of the box and we go on with our life. We have a lot of people in this church that are using, that, 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 that think outside the box, but we need more people that think outside the box. I have two ministries that are just nagging at me that I want to get started. I want to see them flourish. We've tried. We've done different things. We've done this. We've done that. And it just hasn't taken hold. And we haven't seen these ministries just kind of take hold. I'm going to talk about those. We're going to have some conversations. We're going to think outside the box. Tonight at 6 o'clock at the coffee shop. We have a coffee shop on Main Street if you're new with us today. We're going to talk and have these conversations. We're going to dream big. We're going to explore. I don't have the answers. We're just going to think outside the box. That's all we're going to do. And if you want to be a part of that, I'm going to invite you to come up here. But there's so much potential that's in this church that is yet to be realized. If you guys want to come, the music guys, um, what would it look like if we all just decided, you know what, I'm not going to sit on my gift anymore. I'm going to take that gift, that seed. I'm going to put it in the ground. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to put it in the ground. I'm going to start watering it. I'm going to let it start developing. I'm going to start letting it take hold. And what, what would happen if we all just released our seed of potential today? and decided we're going to overcome the obstacles and we're going to be humil we're going to walk in humility what would happen if the church just made up your made up its mind and said you know what i'm going to release this potential stand with me all over you let me pray with you our time is up